it's not what I thought it would be. So like, it wasn't like, you know, here's some turntables. Let me, let me see, do some DMC routines. Hey everyone. Thanks for checking out the Beat Talks podcast. I'm your host, DJ Ruscha, the official DJ of the Los Angeles Lakers and AVP Pro Beach Volleyball Tour. On this week's pod, I'm joined by my friend DJ Jung, the official DJ for the Brooklyn Nets. Jung discussed the moment he decided to become a full-time DJ, his interview process with the Brooklyn Nets, DJing an event for Martha Stewart, and how he's dealt with celebrities requesting music at his events. So let's get into it. Here's my conversation with DJ Jung. How you doing, brother? I'm good, buddy. Thanks for uh, taking the time. I really appreciate it. I know, uh, I know we're in weird times, but you got two young kids, so I know that takes up a lot of time. Yeah, like basically all of it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you just had uh, your youngest just had a birthday a day or two ago. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, what's today? The the ninth? Uh, the seventh. Tuesday. Tuesday nice. Was his birthday. And one year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The older one is just a couple years older. How old is he? Uh, year and a, only a year and a half old. Two and a half. Got it. Okay. So they're pretty pretty close in age. So it's uh. It's a nonstop shit show every single day, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, but it's great. I mean, honestly, like I, I hear all my friends complaining, like they're bored out of their minds and, you know, they're getting the cabinet fever. And I'm like, you know what? Like these kids, it's it's a lot of work. It's nonstop. But like my day flies by. So I'm sure it does. And I get to spend some time with my kids because before they're in daycare, um, mm. full time for both. So like, you know, just only saw them like, you know, in the morning and the night. So being able to actually see them like all day it's actually you know it is nice it has moments where you know i just want to like you know put them in front of the tv and just like leave me alone for like 10 15 minutes please yeah, dad needs you know? his own time right now yeah yeah but then other moments like oh this, this is the best thing so what is that like right now you're in new york that is being pretty hit hard right now with the pandemic not that everybody's not being hit hard but what's the daily life like for you especially with two kids i mean you know pretty much uh, wake up around 6 30 7 a.m and you know it's uh changing feeding entertaining um till about 8 30 p.m that's basically <laughs> it so the i mean i think i think the good thing is is once it hits 8 30 um the kids are asleep and they're great sleepers so not all the time but mostly from 8 30 the first, the younger one wake up at seven around six thirty seven, and the older one wake up around eight thirty. So it's like at least I'll have a few hours to myself. Wife and I can just have a dinner like yeah. normal people, yeah, you know, or just do things that we need to do like laundry and clean and all those other things. All those things that people don't think DJs get to do, we still have to do that domestic work. Exactly, a lot, a lot of diaper changing, a lot of laundry, you know, a lot of disciplining and yelling, and <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a real uh, you know it's a real adventure to say the least. I bet. Yeah, how you doing? How you holding up? Uh, you know, it's taking it one day at a time. I think like everybody else, you know, it. Uh, some days are good, some days are bad. You just have your moments where I feel creative, and then other days where I don't. But I, I allow myself to have that non-creative time and it's okay if, when, if I can't do something cool each and every single day, uh, DJ wise, and it's fine. I'm just getting through it. So is, um, is LA like on a crazy lockdown too? Like, yeah, unless it's essential, unless you're hospital grocery store, you know, uh, yeah, they're pretty much the beaches are all closed. Gyms are closed. Like not only are the beaches closed, but they're closing the parking lots by the beach. So it's, you can't even, 
they don't even want you coming close to it. So it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, as it should be like, it sucks. Nobody wants to do this, but it's also like, let's just, you know, do what we got to do. And sooner, the longer we can hold out, the sooner we can potentially get out of this with, without too much more damage. Yeah. You hope so. Yeah. You hope that we're all doing the right things right now. And that will actually help us get back to normal lives quicker than it would if they let us out tomorrow. And then we had to do this all over again. So we'll see what happens. You having any communication with the Brooklyn Nets right now? What is the what's that look like for you? I mean, obviously the season has been postponed, and who knows what's going to happen. But what does that look like for you? Because I know you had a lot of responsibilities. Because you you DJ, but you're also a music coordinator, so that's more than just showing up and playing music each time. Right, right. So I mean, you know, anything from doing some of the prompts to like you know timeouts, doing you know like the 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 game show music you know if you got the right answer right or wrong with the the buzzer or a ding you know et cetera et cetera so yeah it's very heavily involved besides the DJing that I already had to do um, as far as like what's been going on I mean I don't know if I should even say this but we can we can edit it out don't worry yeah <laughs> no I don't care whatever uh, I I don't think it's necessarily uh, anybody's fault uh, I just don't think there's anything to say you know like uh, we actually Yesterday, we actually did have a uh, happy hour with uh, with some of the Manette's uh, production team. So, so that was nice. You know, we, we did it on Zoom. You know, I got to see everybody. We we're playing a little drinking game. It was kind of funny, you know. So um, nobody really talked much about what we're, well, what's going to happen because just nobody really knows. I mean, I read things on you know, ESPN. You know, there's like a lot of rumors, but nothing's confirmed and... I'm not. I'm definitely not like clearing my schedule anytime soon to hope that this get that the uh, that the season's going to pick up anytime soon. You know, like I mean, I'll be amazed if it's if it started in August. Yeah, who who knows? And I don't think they know. And so, whatever lack of communication there is, I don't think it's a personal thing at all. It's just if they don't have information to pass on, then you know, it's all hearsay. It's like you said, it's all articles we read online. Like I think everybody's doing the best they can um, to have contingency plans, but. I just don't think anybody can plan on anything right now. So that's just the place we're at in sports. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I mean, I was thinking about you too. I was like, man, like I, I, the way it was looking, the Lakers were looking like the contender. I mean, they were like, they were looking serious and you know, LeBron James just turns it up like a few notches when it comes to playoffs. So it's like, you know, like, you know, the push was going to be strong and good and the whole Kobe thing too. So you're just like, man, I was like rooting for you. I was like hoping, you know, I get to hear some stories, you know, of you doing the, you know, the playoffs and stuff. But, you know, unfortunately, it's going to be on pause for now. I had uh, DJ Shauna from the Milwaukee Bucks on the last podcast. And I told, I told her that um, since they had the best record in the East and we had the best record in the West, we're just going to split the championship if the season doesn't come back. So I still I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> You know, I don't there know if that's go. if that counts or if that's <laughs> legal, but I can make my own ring out of like tinfoil or something like that. It'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> what was the energy like for you in the Nets this year in the offseason? You guys sent some pretty big trades, full well knowing that KD wasn't going to play this year. But it's different going from a team that, you know, I've been there where they don't have as much excitement. Then all of a sudden you have some huge superstar names show up. What was the, what was the vibe like for you? Oh, I mean, it was electrifying. It was like, you know, like uh, somehow, maybe just because, you know, our geographical location helps us out because, you know, we just have so many tourists and just general basketball fans in, you know, in the New York City area. So, you know, before um, 
Katie and Kyrie came, you know, there was just like, a, you know, the seats would get pretty filled just on the basis of like, you're in New York. So people just want to watch basketball. So, so that was good. Um, but then once they uh, got drafted to the team or whatever, once they signed to the team, it was just like, you know, every time you they show a video clip of Katie or Kyrie, you just hear everybody like swelling, like, oh, you know, just going crazy. It was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, uh, I mean, it just sucks that, you know, like Katie couldn't come back, you know, this season, but I mean, really looking forward to next season, you know, whatever, whatever that may be, but you know, yeah, it's going to be, it should be really amazing once the ball of them. Yeah. Cool. Well, you've been, how many years have you been with the Nets now? This is my, uh, fifth, fifth season now. Got it. Fifth season. And how did that gig present itself to you? So, uh, I worked for, um, an agency, uh, scratch, scratch events, um, scratch music group, whatever. So, you know, DJ school and you also book DJs for, you know, all kinds of events all over the city, all over the country, all over the world, really, actually. So, um, somebody had a connection with the Barclay Center and, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, right place at the right time, like, uh, somebody at the office that knew the person from Barclays knew that the Nets were looking for a new DJ. So I guess they were like, oh, well, you know, you should hit up scratch, uh, scratch events and, you know, see if they have anybody you might be interested in. So my company was like, all right, like, we'll give you, you know, five of our best. So all five of us went for an interview and I pretty much got it. Like they didn't want to tell me, um, at the time I interviewed, but when I walked out of the office, my boss told me later on, he was just like, they were like, this is our guy. They were like, we're going to give everybody a fair shot and talk to him just to, you know, not to, you know, just to be fair. But they were like, that's him. You know, they, they, they felt very good about me right off the bat, which was, which was really nice. And what's the, what's the interview process like for a DJ? You know, it's not what I thought it would be. So like, it wasn't like, you know, here's some turntables. Let me, let me see, do some DMC routines. Um, you know, let me hear some mixes, you know, it was more like, uh, like, I guess like how quickly I could think and what kind of music choices I would use for certain situations. So like, um, let's just say, you know, it's like a hot time out, right. You know, like we're down, you know, fourth quarter, one second left, Kyrie hits a big three. Now we're up by one, you know, uh, Lakers call timeout then, you know, what's a song like you don't have five seconds, 10 seconds to, to play, right? You know, we have to like the very moment we hear that horn, boom, drop it right away because every split second probably that we wait just kind of kills that moment more and more. Like you want to like, as the crowd is swelling and going crazy, you want to try to take that momentum and just take it to the next level. So that was more like what they were trying to like see where I was at, like what, you know, they'll give me certain circumstances and what would you do for this particular circumstance? So that's what they liked more about, about me more than anything. Like, you know, they'll put me on a spot too. Like they're just giving me like these crazy scenarios and they're like, what would you play? And I'm like, Oh, you know, and I just, I said something and I don't remember what I said, but it worked. <laughs> it worked. So, so that was good. How did you yeah. even how, going into that meeting, not knowing that's, those are the type of questions they were going to ask you. How do you even prepare for that? You know, I, I was just watching a lot of games. So I just, you know, anything I could find, you know, and I would like, you know, it was, you know, if you're watching on TV, I'm sure you know, like you can't really hear the DJ too well. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to really listen for it. Like if this, you know, you'll hear the music when you're watching a game, but it's kind of like background and kind of distance. So you don't really, you hear music, but you don't necessarily know what it is all the time. 
So I would just crank up the volume on like every game I could find and listen for every little detail and anything I could find. Um, you know, I was doing that. So I was just trying to research on seeing what the vibes were like. You know, I was just trying to recall some of the uh, some of the basketball games that I've been to. Like, okay, what were they playing? Because, you know, generally, you know, I'll pay attention here and there, but I wouldn't listen to every single song mm. that they're playing because you know it's just after a while there's just so much going on like it's just hard to concentrate on the music but i hear oh okay they're playing this song oh they're playing you know this song okay cool but i wouldn't really think much of it so i was just trying to recall any of the games i've seen uh live in the past so um and it, it helped out it definitely helped out a little bit I, I do think that's something people don't realize is that one how much music you have to have prepared for every single game yeah. but also being prepared for not only an exciting moment but you could have 10 exciting moments or you could have zero exciting moments. You have to prepare for all of those situations. And then when each one presents itself, you have to have that music oh, yeah. ready to go. So how do you personally prepare yes. pre-games for that kind of stuff, like getting the music ready and all that stuff? How do you go about doing that? So I actually have, um, the way I do it is, I kind of go by like uh, first half timeout music and second half timeout. I, uh, I was in the first two quarters and the last two quarters. because. Um, Generally, you know, obviously it's it's situational. Like every game is obviously different, but generally, uh, the first and second quarters, um, you don't have to be as like in your face. You know, of course, have your hot timeout songs, but even the hot timeout songs, they're kind of like you know, just you know, upbeat, like you know, house of pain, jump around, something like that. You don't have to go super deep or really hard just yet. To me, it's uh, third, especially the fourth. That's when you really have to have like the um, the extra energy stuff for for the final push so uh, i separated by the first and second quarters and, and the last two quarters and um so uh, in my serato i always have uh on the right side the hot timeout song on the left side if it's just like a general timeout so it's whichever one it is um it'll be ready to play so it's like you know I always have something queued up just mm -hmm. in case and uh, i actually do another thing too is i actually color my cue points it, it's no specific reason but it's purple it's just i just started oh, doing it lakers colors for whatever reason it. purple just became that color so i just did everything purple <laughs> Shh, don't say that <laughs> but uh basically uh if you ever see any cue points on my uh I, I use s9 mixer if you ever see a purple cue point on any of my tracks you'll know that that's where my hot um cue is so sometimes, you know, I have like four cues on one thing, but like, I don't even look at it. I just look like, where's the purple? Boom. Okay. Now I'm ready to go. So I can do all the other prompts and do whatever else I got to do for the rest of the game. So during games, the equipment you're using, you're just using, using Serato with two decks. Serato two decks, but I also use a program called Qit. Mm, okay. Yep. So, so, uh, Q with the K and basically, um, that's kind of like my, uh, uh, like instant replay. Uh, machine or the um, what's the other one called that the PC people used? Uh, click effects, click effects. So yeah, same exact concept, but uh, it's just Mac. I don't want to have like you know three laptops set up in front of me, so I only have my one Mac. So running Serato and running Qit program. So the Qit is all uh, MIDI assigned to a keyboard. So anything I need from there, so basically all, all my in-game prompts are basically uh, assigned on the MIDI keyboard using Qit, and then the music will just come straight out of Serato. And when you say keyboard, you're not talking about the keys on your on your laptop. You have like an actual little MIDI keyboard set up next to you. Right. Correct. Yep. Yep. And so this Scratch Academy, like you were an instructor there before you got the Brooklyn gig. How did you become an instructor at the Scratch Academy? Oh, so I mean, I started. Uh, uh, 
think I started interning there in like 2004, 2003, 2004, something like that. I forgot. I forgot. It was a long time ago. So, um, you know, I was just like, I didn't even, I heard about it, but I didn't think anything of it. But a friend of mine, she was like, oh, I took classes there. And I was just, you know, she'll like hit me up. She'll hit me up with some questions about DJing stuff. And I'll explain it to her. And she was like, oh, you're really good. So like, you should try to, you know, teach over there. You're better than a lot of them. I'm like, eh, whatever. So one day I looked it up and then I actually had some friends that worked there. I'm like, all right, let me just go check it out. So I started as an intern there. Uh, you know, made no money. It was just like a weekend thing. Uh, I had a full-time job. So like, it was like Saturday and Sundays, I think. I don't even know if I did both days. I might've done like once or twice a weekend. You know, they give us like pizza as our pay. I'm like, I don't care. Whatever. It's just fun. You know, it was just, you know, I was still DJing. I was working. So I'm like, yeah, why not? For, for shits and giggles. And then, um, I guess as like the months or year or so passed, they were just like, yo, like you're really good at this. Like we're having more classes. Let me start getting the rotation and more or less, you know, started teaching there for quite a while. And was that, you had another job while you started doing that? Was the other job you were working at the time? <laughs> I, was, I was a web content manager. Oh, okay. So basically it's like a, it's like an e-commerce website and I just maintained the website. Basically. I hated that job. What's the day where you're like, you know what? I'm going to quit my quote unquote real job and become a full-time DJ. How's that conversation go in your head or with your family or your wife or anybody? Oh, dude, I remember this. So, <laughs> uh, this is, you know, uh, I was working that web content manager job, just hated it. Like I, I uh, there were some mornings where I'm like, I wish a cab would just lightly tap me <laughs> just to give me like a little fracture. Don't, don't paralyze me. Yeah, just give me just a, little a little something injury. so I can just get like, yeah, give, give me a little, you know, I can get out of work. I don't have to do this anymore. Um, but basically I was working, you know, nine to five, uh, and I was still DJing Thursday, Fridays and Saturdays. So, and even Sundays, I would still do a radio show. Uh, not every Sunday, but most Sundays, I would do a radio show, a college radio station, like underground hip hop radio station. So it was like seven days a week. It was nonstop. But you know, I was much younger. So I was like, you know, I loved that. I didn't care. But um, I was just making more money at these gigs than I was at my full time job. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm not getting any sleep. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything else. All I do is, you know, work, DJ, work, DJ. So I'm like, I kind of had to pick one or the other. And I hated my job. So, Scratch actually had a new opportunity. Um, they, they were working on a contract with Royal Caribbean, uh, the cruise ship uh, company. So um, I was one of like, the first, I don't know, probably five people that they had on there. So they were like, hey, like, listen, like, uh, you know, we have this thing. We want you to do it if you're interested, but you have to be gone for a month. I'm like, oh, God, like, I'm going to have to leave my, I, like, there's no way my job would just let me take off for a month. You know, like, I would have to quit. So that was when I was at the crossroads. I'm like, you know what? Like, I have my degree. This, these type of jobs, they're not going anywhere. You know, these are desk jobs and, you know, there are a dime a dozen. So it's like, it's not that serious. If I left this job, I could probably find another one. This DJing stuff, I'm like, you know, I know it's a much more niche market and these opportunities just don't just come that often. So I was like, this is my chance. I'm like, you know what? Let me do it. And, and I did. I quit my job. I went in that cruise ship, you know, I was there for a month. Uh, and never look back. And now that's basically how, how I started my full-time DJing career. And so on that cruise ship, so you were DJing in like whatever club or whatever they had five, six nights a week while it cruised around the world and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, th this one's a Caribbean one. I've done other ones where they went around Europe. Oh, got it. Um, but, you know, the main ones we did were the ones that went to like, you know, Mexico, Jamaica, uh, St. Martin. Um, I forgot the other uh, destination. Basically in the, in the, uh, the Caribbean around there. And, uh, it was, you know, it was 
beautiful, amazing experience. Um, only thing I didn't like was just like, you know, you're kind of by yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're DJing every single day, but like, I mean, like one day could be DJing for an hour and a half, if that, you know? And so like, but they had doing the nightclubs to like, uh, you know, just like in the, uh, the, what they call the promenade where, you know, people just walking around where there's like shops and food and everything. You just kind of DJ around there. So anything you could think of, they would find a place for it. But it was uh, more than anything. Um, I think the thing I liked the most was meeting the people there Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's a whole nother world with the people that work on cruise ships. And, you know, you would think it's an Royal Caribbean, I'm pretty sure they're an American company. Um, there's almost no Americans that work there. Mm -hmm. It's all like, you know, like basically everybody from all over the world, except for Americans that work in these cruise ships. And I think it's because the, their pay sucks, but the people there are just super cool, really nice, like just great, great people. That's probably like the best experience. Um, for me, working on those cruise ships was meeting all those people there. Well, it's also experience for people to get to see parts of the world that they probably would never get to see without having that job. Um, I had a right, right. early, exactly. early on in my DJ uh, career, I had a terrible experience DJing on a cruise ship that went from Vancouver, British Columbia, down to uh, back down to Los Angeles. It was a like two and a half day cruise, three day cruise, whatever it was. I hated every second of it. Um, <laughs> but it was also, it was one of those where like, they wanted this to be, you know, those cruise ships they have now where it's like groove cruise or like when hard did their, you know, boat, like it was all people that were there for the DJs. This cruise ship was not that, but they, people that hired me thought that's what it was going to be. And that's not what it turned out to be. And so that's why it was a miserable job for me. So the cruise ships you were on, like, were the people, was it a younger demographic or was it all over the place? No. It was it was definitely more like uh, young families, like people like me or a little bit older would be like on there. It wouldn't be. I mean, I was uh, like twenty six at the time, so there were not that many people in their mid twenties that were there. It was like people in their late thirties, early forties, kind of thing. It was a lot of those. So it was, you know, it, it still wasn't too bad. But I mean, I had the same thing. Like they were trying to market to me, like, oh, you're gonna be like the celebrity DJ guy, whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I get there, you're like, no, I'm just just another worker on the ship, you know, like the one thing definitely though, like they give us a lot of privileges that a lot of mm -hmm. people that worked in the ship did not get. Yep. So, and I took advantage of that pretty well, but you know, but, um, you know, like, I mean, th did you get off on the cruise ships when you're, whenever, whenever you were on there? Well, that was also one of the issues. Like there was a, uh, passport issue on their side for me. So when we did dock in, uh, I can't remember where we were. And that, that was part of their pitch. Like, oh, you'll be able to get to see this part of the country you've never seen before. I couldn't get off the boat because there was a passport issue. So that was part of my uh, uh, my anger with the whole situation. And another thing was uh, yeah. when I DJed the club at night, I didn't, I had been DJing some clubs like that before that always had an end time. And so I just assumed this also had an end time. And then when I started winding it down, they were like, what are you doing? I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, why are you stopping? I was like, well, it's like four in the morning. They're like, no, no, like people are here. You have to keep going. I was like, there's no end time. <laughs> like nobody, if I keep DJing, nobody's going to leave unless I right, play right. crappy music. But like yeah. there has to be an end time. I can't just endlessly play music all day long in yeah. this club for no yeah. reason. So, you know, I'm extremely happy that your situation was better than mine because I literally had a conversation with the person who was in charge of me on the boat wasn't the person that hired me, but the person on the boat was so mad at me. They At one point, they said, do you ever want to work on cruise ships again? And I don't think they were expecting my answer because I looked that person dead in the face and I said, no. 
And that was the end of the conversation because <laughs> they thought like they were going to be able to hold the job over my head. But I was right, like, no, right. I don't ever want to do this ever again. <laughs> so I'm happy that you did not have that same experience. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, thankfully they were like really, you know, easy and straightforward, really. It was just, it was just boring after a while. That's the only thing I learned. I actually learned how to use Ableton when I was on there because I was so bored. Like I had nothing to do. Because, you know, like, yeah, you go into like these beautiful, like, you know, like islands and countries and everything, but like, Nobody like oh, the, the the friends that I met on the ship. They're like, bro, we've been here for like six months, nine months. You know, like we've you know how many, we're here every single week. Like yeah. we're not gonna we're not gonna go. There. And plus, once they get off the islands, they pay they pay the tourist money. So they're like, we don't make that much money. So they're mm-hmm. like, you know, we're gonna spend you know our entire weekly wage just to come out here. They're like, no. So you know, I get it, I get it. So like you know, very often we'll be in like Jamaica. I'm like emailing my friends like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm in Jamaica. I'm on a ship. They're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm in Jamaica I was like, and I'm bored just... out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> like Jamaica again? Ugh. God, get me out of here. DJ problems. Well, I have plenty of things I can complain about in the DJ world that no one else would understand, but I completely understand what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, but at least the good thing that came out of it is I learned Ableton, which is, you know, which it was, it was definitely like a hobby thing. So I learned how to produce, but um, it definitely did way more for me learning how to use Ableton than I ever thought it would. So, so that was good. So are you using Ableton to produce music or are you using it to edit um, your songs for games or all the above? All the above, all the above. I don't do as much production anymore. Um, I just, I just take so much time. Like, you know, I'll spend like, you know, 15 hours or 16 hours on like one track and like, I hate it. So I'm like, God, it's wasted a lot of my freaking life working on a stupid song that I didn't like anyway. Uh, but it's definitely a good experience to just know how to use it. Um, where it definitely helps me now is uh, I do all the edits for the dancers, for the Brooklyn Net dancers. So, you know, sometimes, you know, they, they're, like the choreographer would be like, okay, I know this is what I want, you know, really just, you know, kind of cut and paste, move things around, boom, done. Um, then other times they'll be like, all right, like we want you to do your thing. I'm like, yes. So that's when I'll start doing, you know, like more production stuff. I, you know, added like drums and, you know, little, little keys, little synths, just like very little things that people, you know, most people probably wouldn't really know, but it's just subtle enough for, for me to know, like, all right, like I had the skill to do this and, you know, I'm playing this at Barclays Center. So like, I know it sounds good. Like, all right, cool. Like this is legit. Well, and you're making your own and it's something that if somebody comes to the game, let's say the Laker girls use the same exact song. But because you added your own little things to it, it's going to sound different at a Brooklyn game than it is going to be at a Lakers game. And that's how we, that's how I would, I want every arena to sound different, right? Like I don't want us all to be exactly the same. So I like those little subtleties that maybe the fans wouldn't know, but they subconsciously do know for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, to me, it's like, it's all in the details. Like every little thing that you may not notice it, but as you just accumulate every little detail, it starts distinguishing yourself from other people. So yeah, yeah I'm all about that. Ableton's what I use. It's what I use to edit this podcast. It's, um, if, uh, at first, I, it was difficult for me to learn, but I felt like once I still don't, there's still so many things I could learn on it, but now that I have a grasp on it, it's, I can use it for so many different things that it's, it's a oh, yeah. all in one type of, uh, production tool for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's like the gift and curse about programs like Ableton, Logic, Pro Tools is that sky's the limit. Like there's so much that you can do on those things. Like I had a friend who wanted to learn it. He's just like, I'm just going to read the manual. I'm like, dude, <laughs> don't do that. Dude, my, I was like, my production partner read the manual and we're still learning stuff all the time. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's just, it's literally crazy the amount of things that can do. It's just, it's it's too much. It's it is, that's actually the truth. Like everybody yeah. that keeps buying new plugins or new things add to them. Like if just if you can't make a beat after what 
it gives you, then it doesn't matter. I don't care what yeah. kind of plugins you buy for it. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, you're just wasting money basically there. So I mean, yeah, the one thing that I like to, that I did was like, okay, like I want, like I heard somebody do something, I'm like oh shit, like what is that? And I'll just and I'll just YouTube it. Oh my dude, and it's like it'll be the most random things, and I'll find like five videos on. You're like, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, how is that like, out there? Wow, yeah, it's just it's crazy. Like you know the amount of information out there, even with even DJ, you know, totally. like if you want to learn how to DJ, my God, there's like an unlimited amount of resources on it. I mean, I started so long ago, so it's like, God, I wish I had this stuff. Because I mean, it, it took me like a solid year just to learn how to beat match two songs together. Yeah, because you couldn't pull up YouTube and look at a video and two minutes later, you're like, oh, that's easily how it's done. Like I, when I first started, I was trying to, I was listening to the radio, figuring out how are they scratching, ruining my mom's record player because I didn't realize that you need a... <laughs> special type of record or turntable to be able to pull the needle back. Yeah. Like how, how would you know that stuff? But today it's definitely way easier, um, which it's a good thing and a curse, but I, for me, like I've been DJing shoot 20 plus years and I still learn stuff and I always want to keep learning. So I'm happy that yeah, all that stuff is available now. No, same here. Same here. Taking a quick time out to say thank you for checking out the Beat Talks podcast. Very much appreciated. And if there's any topic you're interested in that aren't being discussed yet on the pod, feel free to reach out and let me know. You can reach me at beattalks.com, the Beat Talks Instagram page, or any of the DJ Ruche social media sites. Now, let's get back to my combo with DJ Jung. So I was looking at your, uh, your resume on your website, and uh, you've done some celebrity events did some stuff for salt and pepper, but there's one person's name on your list that really stood out for me. Cause I want to know how this party went. You did an event for Martha Stewart. <laughs> I want to know what kind of music you play for besides Snoop Dogg, because they're friends. What right, kind of music right, do you play right, for Martha right. Stewart? I, I definitely play some Snoop. God, I don't remember. I mean, I don't, it wasn't, no, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a party. It was a special event for her. It's like, uh, God, was it, was there a cookbook? I think she might have came out of the cookbook. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Five hundred cookbook she has, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So she had, a, she you know, she had an event um, uh, to launch her book, and she was signing and everything. She got, she gave me a signed copy, which was awesome. She's awesome. super. Of nice. course, of course she is. I, of course she is. I mean, well, you know, sometimes though, you see, you know, like a certain personality on TV, you're like, all right, like, are you really like yeah. this? Because very often they're not. You know, Correct. like they're it's just like all facade. But she was actually genuinely nice. I'm like. Holy crap! Like the Martha Stewart you see on TV, I'm like, wow, that's really you. Like that, that's really impressive. So like, I really like that. But she was like, you know, she spent like, you know, maybe like a minute talking to me. But I'm cool. like, I mean, I'm just just a guy playing music yeah. for you, you know. Like, it was way more important people for you to talk to. But you know, she actually spent like a minute to talk to me. I'm like, wow, she's super super nice lady. But I'm pretty sure it was just like a, uh, it was just like a book launch. I, I want to say I did some probably like seventies and eighties. I think mm-hmm. I want to say I did something like that, you know, because the demographic, yep. you know, kind of call for that. So I'm pretty sure it was like seventies and eighties, you know, like fun, you know, like disco stuff to like you know like the Madonnas, the Michael Jackson, you know, so the Michael you, Jackson that was allowed to play yes, the time. It's, yeah, I was having a conversation <laughs> with somebody about that Different the other time. day. Like, yeah, some, <laughs> you can, you can't. I don't know. Yeah, um, dude, wait, 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 quick story about yep. that. So. I can't tell you who it is that, that that called me out because he's kind of like known. He's kind of like he's out there in like the political world. We can talk about that and, offline. Uh, we won't record. We can talk about that yeah. online. Um, so I was doing this event. Uh, it was like a fundraiser. Uh, I think it's a. Uh, I should. Even, I probably shouldn't even say where it is. It, it was a fundraiser for a park in Brooklyn. Let's just put it that way. It's a fundraiser for a park in Brooklyn. 
And, you know, I was just playing like, you know, it was an older crowd. And it was like a park fundraiser. So it wasn't like a dance or anything, but it's just, you know, everybody was just getting to the music. So I, I think I played, um, I think Blame It in the Boogie. I think it was Blame It in the Boogie. I was doing all kinds of like, you know, like Stevie Wonder to like uh, some Marvin Gaye, like just like all like classic 70s and 80s, like, you know, feel good park music. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm, I really, want, I'm really feeling this song, and you know, this was last summer. This was last summer, so I was like, ah, it's Jackson Five is not really Michael Jackson. So I'm like, let me just drop it. And I played it. The dude came over to me. I'm just like, and I and I knew him too. You know, I'm just like, he's just like, he's like, yo, man, you know, you know, you know, you have to play that. Come on, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just really funny. Like you kind of like, you called me out and, and like um, at first he didn't remember me, but then I reminded him. He's just like, oh, oh <laughs> he's like, you should, you should, you, should, you still shouldn't play. I'm like, I know. But. Well, I'm curious. I don't know what the I don't know what the rules are. Right? Like if it's Jackson Five, he's younger. Right? right. If it's then there's and the he Jackson was he era. wasn't solo. He wasn't solo. Like I don't know what the I I now because of the climate that we're in, like if my client asked me to play it, I'll play it. If not, yeah, then I don't. But I don't know, again, I don't know what the rules are because I want to play ABC. I want to play yeah. those things, but you know, you're going to have that one person that looks at you and you're like, where, you know, maybe everybody else enjoyed it, but that one person looks at you and you're like, okay, now did I just ruin the event because of that? So um, right. when they right. send out the official DJ rules, please send it my way so I know if I can keep playing uh, yeah. five. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I need to know that too. People, people make some comments, at least some comments. Like, let me know what I should or should not do because I still really want to play it, but I hold back, especially, you know, yeah, arenas, I'm sure you do too, you know, because I'm sure majority of people still like it, but there'll be that one or two per people that are, you know. Look, we can go down know. the rabbit hole of all the artists that we play that have had uh, not so nice things um, in their, oh, in their I, lives. So I have a we, good one for you. Yes. Right, right. Speaking of that, that very popular arena song. That I am banned from playing, and I agree, but people still play it. Is it Rock and Roll Part Two by Gary Glitter? <laughs> yeah, yes. because do you do it? Do I, you play no, it? I do not, and I have not for okay. years. And I tell people this all the time: if we're going to cancel culture, all these other songs, that song really needs to be canceled because he yes. actually was found guilty and is in jail and had to be extradited from other countries. And did it in other countries as well. So if you want to put on yep. the scale of things, he's at the top of the list. Yes. yes. Which yes. is a huge, you hear that song in movies all the time. Uh, yep. And it's on all the jock jams. Um, I was literally talking to somebody about that the other day. I think why that song, nobody knows who the artist is. And there aren't real right. lyrics in that song like all the other right. songs. So that's why I think some people, they don't, and some people just don't know until I will literally tell them. <laughs> right. And hopefully after listening to this podcast, they will now take it out of their rotation. Yes. 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 Don't do not listen to that song. People that was in, uh, I literally had that. I had that conversation with, uh, DJ Bandcamp from Indianapolis for the Pacers. I was in Indianapolis. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. We, uh, I went to a game, we hung out afterwards and we're literally having the same exact conversation and he did not know about that song. Oh, you he didn't has texted me since then. He's like, bro, I think about that and it blows my mind because college bands play it. <laughs> I was just about to yeah. say that. I was it's, just about to say that. Yeah. So hopefully everybody will listen to this podcast and uh, they won't play that song anymore. Yes. Don't ask for it. Don't just, just, just know that just, you should never. That song I did. Delete that song exists. I did delete it from my computer. That song is not on my okay. DJ laptop, so I can't even play it if somebody asked me to play it. 
You're a good man. Yeah. You're a good man. Keep it that way. I <laughs> yes. think, you know what? I think once I'm once we're done with this, I'm going to delete off my laptop too. Just yep. just, just to yep. you know, I can't even play it if I wanted to, so it's fine. No, nope. that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Although you know, everybody that will ever ask you for that song, they're like, "Well, you got your laptop." Can you just you know play it off of YouTube? Can't right you now? just download it from YouTube? <laughs> that those are my the downloading it from YouTube and can I plug my phone into your computer? Oh. Those are people don't I, and I get it right. Like right. music is so accessible now. It look it they're like hey, right. Aren't you just DJing from Spotify? We probably will at some point the way that things are going, but that's not how it is now. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, even, you know, just the fact that like you know you got some nerve to do that. You're like, come on, that actually happened <laughs> to me. The first game I ever did for the Nets. Oh, some, so it was a like, fan. Yo, so okay, so this is uh, I'll never forget this. Like you know, um, between DJing, music coordinating, it was my first NBA game. So you're nervous, nervous as hell. You're like, I want this all to go perfect. It's yeah. my first game in a beautiful arena, right? And um, we were playing uh, like uh, some like. Like an Arabic country, I think it was like Arab, like a Tur- maybe I think Turkish. I think it was, it, was, it was Turkey. So it was like the Tur- the Turkish international team versus the Nets exhibition game. You know, only like the Nets like you know scrubs like were playing. So like you know, and and the, the Nets lost. Right, the Turkish team won, but then the, you know, the Turkish team were starting their starters. So and like you know, the Nets were basically just whoever they were just trying to feel out. They were letting letting those guys play. So we lost, and um, you know, n- complete nerve-wracking experience to begin with and at the end i'm like okay finally this is done so one of the one of the uh, the fans came up to me can you play blah 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 so i'm like no i'm like you're in my arena i'm like no are you kidding me and they're like oh well i have the ipod can you just plug my ipod i'm like oh my god please leave please leave like holy crap yeah i yeah i would never ever ever do that like are you out of your mind so where are you set up um, at the Barclays Arena? I know I've seen photos. Um, when I first thought of this podcast, I wanted to do this in person. I wanted to travel around and come to each arena. And obviously, I can't do that right now. So that's why we're doing it via this chat. But where are you set up in the uh, Barclays Center? So basically, it's, uh, it's by Section 102. And basically, with that, like, uh, if you walk into the main entrance um, on the uh, the ground floor, if you just go keep going straight, you'll see me right there. So I'm basically in the middle of the arena so like you know it, it goes like deep into the ground mm-hmm. that's where like the lower levels are like yeah, courtside etc etc and then you know like uh and i'm basically facing um i'm behind one of the courts i want the one of the basketball mm-hmm. uh uh backboards yep. so um basically there is huge booth it's you you cannot miss me yeah it oh, looks I awesome mean, yeah you may not be able to see me but you'll see my booth. It's it's lit up. Like people people text me right now. Where are you? I'm like, dude, just look around. You'll like, find me. Look around. Yeah, look for a giant <laughs> white wall booth. You cannot miss me. There's no way you can miss me. So like you know, like you, you probably can't see me because it's dark. And you know, if you're way if you're on the opposite end, you know, I'm just like a little. I probably look like an ant. Mm-hmm. But my booth is just huge. So, so the fans have access to you. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's a nice. Thing could be a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I definitely got a lot of, you know, a lot of people like, yo, man, you're killing it. You know, think, you know, you know, you're doing your thing, blah, 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 which is, which is great. But then you get those occasional people who are just like, yo, play this. I'm like, oh my God. Like, and I just have to ignore it. You know, I just, I can't. Yeah. You know, they I just can't. There could be alcohol involved they, and, or they just don't understand how right. music is right. being played for the game. Right. Like it's, yeah. Right. They just don't get it. And I can't. And I can miss my cue, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm constantly like, you know, like I'm constantly engaged at pretty much, pretty much once once the doors open, 
till the end of the game. I'm constantly engaged. Like even if I'm if I if I'm not doing anything, like my cue, my next cue is probably coming up pretty soon. Just because you're not physically doing something, you're doing something because you're watching the game. A timeout could happen. You know, we're on offense. All of a sudden, I need to pay a prompt. I need to do this. Like so, if you're not physically doing something, it doesn't mean you're not doing something, or it doesn't mean that right. somebody's not talking in your ear. Because you're on right. headset with everybody at the game, like, yep. and that's also yep. something I don't think fans realize. Like, oh, he's yeah. just standing there; he's not doing anything. No, I'm yeah, doing yeah. five hundred things in my head. You just yeah. can't tell. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't you can't hear the thirty people screaming in my ear right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm in saying, Brooklyn, yeah. though, I, I think we've talked about this before. When you first started, it was just you, and maybe it's just you again too. But you also don't you have somebody that can you cue and they can do some of the prompts as well is that correct yes so now it used to be just me for the first uh three seasons so it's just all me and you know like every it's little a lot. detail it's a lot mm-hmm. a lot like i mean I, I was trying to explain to some people and like it's hard for them to even really grasp only somebody like you would know be like all right like every little sound you hear pretty much is me um then we have uh then we hired a, a keyboard player um, so, or I'm sorry, or organ player. Mm-hmm. So he, he was doing some of the offensive and defensive prompts. And now, uh, last season he started, uh, DJ MIL, uh, his name is Courtney. He's, uh, he's been around NBA for a very long time. Cool. Great dude, really talented guy. And so he, he, his main job now is to do most of the prompts. I'll still do some of the in-game prompts, mm-hmm. but not as much. Like he'll, he's basically responsible for, um, probably like 80% of it. And then the remaining twenty percent will be me every now and then. We have to sprinkle and do a couple of things here and there, but majority will be him. And besides, like the defensive prompt or the offensive prompt, is he also playing the instrumentals as well? Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that used to be all on my plate, but you know, they uh, like you know, my boss knew how much I was like stressing out, so he got somebody uh, else to do it with me. So I'm like, thank God. So, so and he definitely helps out in other ways too. It's one of those things. It's a lot because if you're constantly thinking about what i have to do this next second if something changes like oh hey we're gonna do this in the third quarter or we're gonna do this in the fourth quarter and you need to rearrange stuff you don't have a second to look away because you're all, if you're constantly right. having to right. react to everything that's going on that's another thing i don't think people realize if there's not even two minutes of downtime you don't have time to prepare for something that wasn't in the script originally or right. is now out of the script for whatever reason those are things i don't think people realize as well Right. And it happens all the time. Of course. You know, yeah. And you know, like, I mean, how many times has it happened where, you know, like the first time on the second quarter, you know, the person wasn't there to do that, to do that spot. So you're going to shift things around and then, you know, like it just, you know, it, it can get very overwhelming really quickly, you know, all because like somebody wasn't there when they're supposed to be there and it happens all the time. Yeah. It's, it's, I tell people all the time, I've been doing live events for, you know, however long it's been, not one has gone exactly to script. That doesn't mean things went to hell. It's just, it's right. a live event. Nothing's ever going to go exactly to, to script. And that's why it's a exactly. live event. That's fine. Exactly. 99.9% of the people at that arena have no idea that it didn't go the way it was supposed to exactly. go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But see, but that's how you know we're doing our job because 99.9% do not know that, you know, that we just screwed up or, you know, I missed my cue or something like that. Like if you don't know, that means, you know, we're still doing a pretty good job. Correct. Yeah. And I like, I, every once in a while, I, I have to remind myself that and others, it's like, look, nobody knows what was supposed to happen right there. So we'll readjust and we'll do it again later. And it's, it's not life or death. Nobody knows. They're here for basketball and that's where we're going to be just fine. Exactly. 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 So what does a typical game day look like for you? What time you get to the arena, when you start playing music, things like that? Uh, I get to the arena around three. It's for a 7.30 tip-off. 
Uh, I get there at three o'clock, uh, set up by three thirty, and we start writing our rehearsals uh, right right at three thirty. So like whether it's um, the dancers, uh, if we have any special performances, like um, one time we had like we had like a, like an orchestra do an anthem and they needed a backing track hmm. so you know just something as simple as me make sure, make sure i have it we are already queued up you know somebody else is on the earpiece saying you know go music you know just like those little things but i just have to be there because uh i gotta rehearse it with them so i know my cue and uh you know i have to have like you know just the little details of like, you know make sure like i try to keep notes of where my volume settings are so i know you know like, like a backing track i don't want to overwhelm the orchestra mm-hmm. especially if they're live with a microphone i really can easily overwhelm their overwhelm their sound so it's just like little things like that it's just the you know just to fine tune every little detail um and then we'll have our uh pre-production meeting and then after that i go around to the court and i start djing for the uh, for the players warming up so you have a you have a setup on the court as well yeah, cool. yeah, we have a portable DJ booth, mm-hmm. um, S, uh, Pioneer S9, and uh, two CDJ 2000s, uh, Nexus. And then how long are Nexus. you on the court before you move up to the spot um, for the rest of the game? Uh, I think about 45 minutes. Okay. I'll say about 45 minutes or so. And that's so. a fairly new thing in the last few years in the NBA where now the d- DJs are on like actual on the court with a right dj rig and then move up to a different location later um right the lakers we do not do that um the uh just different lakers are we just do things a little bit differently the lighting is different in the arena all those kind of things so i'm never on the floor um and this year i'm finally i'm in the crowd for the first time which is cool for me i can i see your pictures yeah it's it's a being able to feel the energy off the crowd, even though I was in the bowl before, like I'm way closer to the fans. Like it, it helps me stay engaged too. And I can feel their energy. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun for me. But do, do people ask you for songs too? Um, <laughs> no one has been, no one has been inappropriate. Everybody's been really good. Okay. I do All every right. once in a while, somebody will ask me for a song and I'm like, you know, I definitely don't have time to explain to them at that moment that that song is not going to work or right, there's right, no right. clean version for that song, so I can't play that. But right, you know, right. usually people are pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it's pretty funny. The things that people say, I mean, as you know, in the DJ life, <laughs> things that people have said to you at DJ gigs is uh, there should probably be a book. Be a book. Yo, I don't know why we are not putting one together because, I mean, it's just comedy. I had I mean, a buddy of mine have, like, for over a year come to the club with me that I had a residency at, and he stood next to the DJ booth and wrote down comments that people said to me throughout the night <laughs> and some of them are just like he's had to remind me sometimes of things that people said i'm like man i don't even remember that he's like how could you not remember that i was like because that is on the list of crazy things people have said to me number 99 out of you know right. 500 so yeah it's right exactly. somebody should write exactly. it's, it's just entertaining i just you know somebody asked me something ridiculous or just in general i just go yeah yeah sure up. yeah you got yeah, it sure yeah just I go got have you. a seat got you. yeah <laughs> I'll be right there. Sure. Security. But that's, but that's the person that comes back later and like, bro, you said you were going to do that. How come you didn't do it? <laughs> You're right. That's definitely happened to me. No, 100%. 100%. Oh, man. So tell me about the Elite Camp. It looks like it's a group of DJs in New York that you guys kind of have a little uh-huh. collective together. Am I right on that? Yeah. I mean, we're just like, you know, like just all good friends. Um, that's like kind of like the first and foremost thing. And, you know, but like DJing kind of, 
brought us together kind of thing. And, you know, it's just like a little DJ crew. We just, just like kind of like into the same thing and, um, you know, would share ideas, you know, collaborate doing things. Um, yeah. I mean, like they definitely, as like, you know, as like, like all the members in there has definitely, uh, made me a better DJ for sure. You know, they'll, they'll inspire me for like, you know, whether it's music or scratching, beat juggling, anything, any, you know, party rocking, any, any aspect of DJing. Cause you know, like our crew, what I love about them is that, uh, they're not just, you know, party rockers and they're not just DMC guys. So it's like, a, you know, everybody kind of touches upon, um, all aspects of DJing. So just kind of, it's able to open my mind up a little bit more into like other things. So, um, yeah, it's really, it's really helpful, but yeah. like, you know, they're, they're just basically like, you know, like my family basically. Cool. Yeah. Cause DJing a basketball game versus DJing a book signing from Martha Stewart for yeah. <laughs> to DJing a club, those you approach right. all three of those completely differently. 100%. Yeah. 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 It's like, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how the the job itself is playing music but you know how you execute it, it's just so so different absolutely it's, uh, it's, it's really crazy and uh, I, I feel like the average person just won't understand it unless you actually do it you're like oh okay yeah i get it i get it you that know? is the thing like if they have to do it do you ever find um i've had this with some players and name some staff members like they'll ask for a song like man the song is so huge in the club but it doesn't work at the arena have you ever come across oh. that to all the time and why, why do time. you think that is i'm curious i mean like you know like certain songs like let's just say it's like like a newer hip-hop song save it's like migos uh, something like that like you know you have to be in the right environment and climate for those songs to really rock you know like an arena like you can't really it's just it, it needs to be like much more hard-hitting in your face whereas like say like a migos song a lot, a lot of the new hip-hop stuff it's kind of very monotone you know, there's no like energy, like, you know, spikes or builds or anything like that. That's why like, you know, house music, EDM stuff works so well in arenas mm -hmm. because you have those builds and you have those drops and it's like, it's very aggressive in your face, you know, versus like, say like, you know, like, uh, like a new hip hop song by, you know, like Lil Yachty is just very, you know, you know, this just like a flat plane of, of energy is just not a lot going on, you know? And it's like, when you're also in a club too, you know, like the demographic is kind of like, you know, like, you know, generally speaking, you know, like younger, you know, just more into like, you know, the newer music where in arena, it's very family, you know, you you know, the people that go to, to, to a Lakers game, they're not, the majority though, are not necessarily going to go to the club later that night, you know, like, you know, like a lot of them are, you know, families, you know, older, younger, probably most of them probably older, you know? So, I mean, I mean, that's the reason why, like, why I think they, they just generally don't work. Mm -hmm. You know, what works at a club when they work in an arena. So how do you do that for, or how do you do the balance for, especially like warm-ups for the players, um, playing music that you know they want to hear versus what probably the people in the fan in the stands want to hear? Oh, so I mean, that's the only time I will, I will actually play, like, all the new stuff just for them, just to lay up line. So throughout the game... <laughs> Actually, I don't want to name the player, but let's just say a very high profile name player yes. on the Brooklyn Nets yes. uh, wants me to play more of the newer stuff mm -hmm. during the game. And I was like, yeah, take that into consideration. And um, we're supposed to have a talk. Thankfully, he was too busy to come talk to me, which I'm, I'm actually pretty thankful for at this point because, yeah. 
you know, I might have to change some of my music playlists. Um, but for sure, the layup line is like strictly like, okay, like they'll, they, these guys will either tell me what they want or uh, I just look for like, you know, like the, the newest like club bangers, yep. the, the hottest new tracks. And, you know, I'll play all of those for the layup lines. But once, once that's done, like that's it. That's really it. Like I might fill in here and there for like, like uh, when we do like highlights, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, you know, I might throw in one if the song is appropriate um i'll do that you know i mean the only thing that kind of kills me about a lot of the newer hip-hop stuff like i don't mind a lot of it it's just that it doesn't have the energy that i want yep that's, that's like the biggest thing like that kills me about like a lot of the new hip-hop stuff. Like, even a lot of the house stuff too it's not you know like energetic you know i'm not saying it's bad it's just not to me not what i think an arena sound should be yeah you know? and some of it I, the players don't understand um right that especially that aspect of it of at a club, I can build up to that one hip hop song that everybody likes, and I've given you five songs before that that builds that energy. Right. Where right. at the arena, I have to go right to that song, and I have no build right. up to the energy, so exactly. it's not the same. Exactly. And then some of the uh, EDM stuff too, like it's so melodic until the drop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I can use the drop for a hot timeout, but. People are like, oh, I love that song. I'm like, yeah, but it is going to put everybody to sleep because it's so right. melodic right. leading up to it. Like, yeah, it's a great song. Right. Um, right. But that's where the art of, you know, DJing a sporting event comes into play is knowing Absolutely. where, what part of the song to play, what other parts. And I think we're in a cycle with hip hop right now and it'll change. I've been around long enough and I'm sure you have too, that you see it go in cycles that it's not that it's bad or it was better during this era or whatever. It's just where we're at right now. It is very monotone. It's very right. low tempo. Um, right. So finding new hip hop songs to like be the team's introduction every single season has become difficult the last few years. Oh, extremely. I mean, they, they come, they, every year they always ask me, I'm just like, oh God, like that list just gets smaller and smaller. And it's just like, you know, it, it's, it's challenging, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. And not using the same song that every other team is going to use because there's only right. that one hip hop song that everybody likes. You're like, oh, this will be perfect. But now all the teams right. are using it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's rough being a DJ. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely rough now. Now that we're not that, gonna. Yes. I don't know when we're gonna be working next. I mean, oh, man, this whole thing. I, I mean, I, I I wake up every morning. I'm just like, is this like a dream? Like, you know, like tell me the last few weeks was just all a dream, right? This really didn't happen, right? And now, and I look at the news. I'm like, okay, no, no, this is still yeah. happening. You know, it's, it's one thing because it's. You know, usually when things happen, it's like, oh, it's just in your city or just in right. your state, or maybe it's just your country. This is the entire right. planet. Right. Yeah. That's right. the, like, every once in a while that hits me out of nowhere. Like, yeah. my wife and I will go, we try to go for a walk once a day around the neighborhood just to get outside, fresh air, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then just every once in a while it hits me. It's like, oh, this is happening to everybody, not just me. Yeah. 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 Crazy. But, like, the, crazy the new, like, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to go out for a run, like, you know, a few days a week. And I mean, when I'm out running, I see somebody on the sidewalk. I'm like, I'm, I'll run to the middle of the street yep. just to like, you know, keep my distance, you know, respect them, you know, whatever, and keep, protect myself. But it's just, it's just so weird. And you know, even people in my apartment building. And I mean, for people like us, like, I feel like, man, we're going to be really affected. Like sure. what, what, you know, what kind of event needs a dj when there's no crowd you know it could be you, you talk about arena to a club to like you know a house party like i mean everything our whole job involves crowds we need a crowd mm-hmm. to work 
So, I mean, uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I don't see how you can pack an arena up until like the vaccine's out. Yeah, agreed. Basically, right? I mean, you know, the arenas might open to like the public, maybe. I don't even know if they're going to do that. And I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, and we're, we're game presentation, right? So it's like, uh, let's just say hypothetically that they have games in your arena, but no fans. Are they going to need us? I don't know. Well, we had, know. A, we had a meeting. The Lakers had a meeting on, I think it was Tuesday. We had a game on March, like the Tuesday before it all got shut down. I can't remember the mm-hmm. date off the top of my head. It might be like the 10th or the 9th or whatever it was. We had a game that night. Um, I believe it was against your Nets, if I remember correctly. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, in, in LA. In yeah, LA yeah. yeah. And we had a meeting beforehand, and it was essentially like, this hasn't been announced yet, but maybe as soon as thursday we have a game on sunday maybe by then we're probably gonna be doing these games without fans and right, right. we're just gonna have essential personnel and at lakers games there's me and then my my guy joel jay fingers who does all the mm. he does all the prompts during play yeah. and, He's still, by the way yeah exactly and He's they dope. um you know were submitted all of our names to the league and the league the league decided who's essential and they were deciding oh, like, really? they need both Joel and I because they wanted to try to make it as normal for the players. Like they wanted to do the music right. when they run on, where they're warming up, introductions, right. those kind of things. Um, so like I always think too, is it weirder? Would it be weirder to play music to no fans? Or would it be weirder for the players to play without any ambient sound at all whatsoever? I don't know the answer to that, but I right. was I thought we were gonna get to that point where I was gonna be DJing without fans and then like the next day it's like nope we're just getting the whole season's canceled or sorry postponed. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow yeah yeah uh, so I, I yeah um if you when i when you think of the term essential like you think of like life-saving people then that was just the term that they were using right. so like yes as a dj i'm not saving lives with my music but is right. it something that's gonna will it add to the entertainment of the players that then the players would add to the entertainment of yeah. You know, let's say people watching on TV because there's nobody in the stand. So I think that's how they right. would look at it, and we'll see what right. happens when we come back. We will come back at right. some point. What it looks like, though, is we'll find out. Yeah, I, I did hear rumor that they might have a central location, I could, and yeah. everybody would just play there. Yeah. So the rumor is Vegas. So which would make sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Could be good for you. Could be great for me. Yeah. Uh, Could just, be good for you. I just wonder about the logistics of that. And to like, you're going to need more than one DJ. You can't have one DJ DJ no. every single game. It would drive them, you know, just like you would yeah. need more than one game entertainment team. So, yeah, yeah. well, uh, they, you know, like I said, can't play in anything. You got to wait for them to tell us. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, as of right now, like anybody who's listening, we're just the, we're just much a limbo as you guys are too. We have no totally. clue. Totally. What yeah. the hell is going on? And uh, it's all sports. You know, I have friends. Uh, yep. I, I, I'm actually the backup DJ for uh, for the Mets. Oh, okay. So um, they already have two people there, but whenever either of them can't make it, they'll call me to go in. Because they have 9,000 games a season. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. And, you know, like it sucks. Like, you know, they're not going to have any games right now. So it's just, you know. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's tough being. It's, it's uh, weird. It's, yeah, it's weird. It's just weird yeah. times because it's one thing. It's like, yeah. okay, like you and I don't have the right to make a living at being DJs. It's like, okay, sure. Like, <laughs> right. Let's say DJing like wasn't allowed to be a profession anymore. Like, okay, I'll go find another job. There are no other jobs right. for us to find right now. Even, no. if, we, even if we wanted no. to, 
There's nothing right. else to find. So it's not like we're just being right. lazy and like, oh, if I can't DJ, I'm not going to do anything. Like, there's nothing else for me to do. Exactly. Except for Literally. this podcast. Like, yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> we can sit here and talk talk about, you know, how we're not going to work till maybe summertime. <laughs> maybe Man, later. Yeah, who knows? I'm, I'm actually booked for a couple of things in May, but I'm like, I am not putting, you know, no, I'm not betting on this nope. one bit. Like, ugh. And I don't but want whatever, the, oh, uh, I like all the live streaming DJ stuff right now because it's still inspiring. I like seeing DJs that I follow do yeah. stuff, but I don't want that to be how we do parties now. Because I need the right. crowd. Like I want, the, I feed yes. off the energy of the crowd too. So I can't, 100%. I can do it for fun. But like, if you want me to rock a party, I need, I need the people to be there in front of me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And not just you, by video. Just, right. Yeah. No, no. You, you don't get that same sense. You no. need to, you need to smell the air in the room. You need to hear people screaming. Like when you play their song, you want to hear people singing it and you cut it out when they're, you know, let the, let the crowd sing the song for like, like a couple seconds. You know, like there's just nothing like being in that room with everybody else like nothing will ever although it would be really easy to ignore requests that way oh yes, like, oh, yes. Sorry. i didn't see it in the chat room sorry about that my bad didn't miss yeah. your song jerry just, just give me the thumbs up like yeah i got you i got you they come back with like, security yeah, security how come didn't play britney spears oh sorry i didn't see it that's my fault oh god <laughs> my god i once had um I, I don't. This happened a long time ago, and I don't care anymore. So, <laughs> so speaking of Britney Spears, I'm I'm starting to bring up these random like Please, I love uh, it. random stories. But uh, uh, I used to DJ at a place called the Hudson Hotel. It's on like uh, 50th and 9th uh, in in Manhattan. So it was like a huge. It wasn't technically a club, but it was basically a club. It was like you know super exclusive. Like a lot of celebrities used to go there. Um, like Tracy Morgan was one of like the regulars, and he would always ask me to play Tupac. Nice. Um, God, I can't remember everybody else, but there's a, a lot of celebrities that used to go there all the time. One time, um, Sarah Michelle Geller was there. Right. This is you know. 2007, eight. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, she's a new was. person now. So if we're about to throw her under yeah. the bus, it's just fine. It's yeah. no problem. Oh, I don't care. I mean, yeah. you know, she, she, you know, she walked in like she's like, a, like, you know, like she's a big shot to me. Yep. I'm like, I don't give a shit about yeah. you. So whatever. So she sent one of her people to come to me. He's like, oh, can you, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller really wants you to hear Britney Spears. I'm just like, uh, no, nah, probably not. Because the not place is like rocking. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm like playing hip hop. I'm like, no, nah, not right now. Maybe later. And then I didn't play. They got pissed at me. And so she's just like, she's never coming back. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, whatever. That's another thing, too. Like, but does yeah. that celebrity want to be the one, the reason for ruining the vibe of the night? Because that, that could maybe not necessarily that song, but they could ruin the vibe real quick. Yeah. Oh, I just want to hear this. But Let's that's not what everybody else wants to hear. Right. Yeah. But I, th- I think it's the thing. Like, you know, nobody, you know, puts that into consideration. They don't get it. No. And I guess we can't really expect them to get it. But it's also like, yo, just, you know, like if you're having a good time, you like your music, like, yo, just, just have a good time. Just, yeah, have a good time. You know, show us some respect. You know, you go do your thing. I'll go do my thing. You know, it's all good. You know, if yeah. you don't like it, I'm sorry. But like, you know, we're in New York City. There's plenty of clubs you can Correct. go to. It's all good. You know, I won't be offended if you leave. You know, there's, like 300 people waiting to get inside this club anyway so it's just like yo it's all good my favorite is like you're doing a hip-hop set and they're like oh can you play you know i'm sorry i'm not throwing britney under the bus but they ask you to play britney and you're like man yeah. that's just not gonna that's not gonna work they're like oh but you're a yeah. dj you can make it work i'm like i'm not that good of a dj to <laughs> right, make that work. Right. trust me <laughs> like i don't know if really anybody can make that's what that i'm work. saying you know yeah. it's just like you know like you just don't get it in <laughs> Oh man, yeah. these uh I'm just glad that this is not like a New York thing only. I'm no, glad that no, you know you LA guys are feeling the same thing. Every yeah. DJ <laughs> listening right now completely understands everything you've gone through, yeah. trust me. 
Well, I appreciate yeah, you taking yeah. the time. Uh, I know you're going to have to get up early with the kids tomorrow morning. But um, yeah, yeah. if people want to follow you online when we get back to gigs and stuff like that, you know, where yes. can they follow you besides your website and your Instagram and all that stuff? Where can people follow you? Yeah, website is uh, djayjung.com. Uh, my uh, Instagram is underscore djayjung underscore. Unfortunately, somebody took yeah. the regular one that underscore. So that sucks. So whatever. Um, Twitter, I don't really use. Just Instagram and, and my website. That's no, the they can find you from there for sure. To find me from there, yeah. Cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, hopefully we'll get to see each other in person sometime soon. Yes. Yes, I hope so too, man. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Big thanks to DJ Jung for joining me this week. Really enjoyed our conversation. Hope you guys learned some stuff about what it takes to be a professional DJ in the sports world. On the next pod, I'll be joined by NBA champion DJ, four corners of the Toronto Raptors. We're going to discuss DJing in the NBA finals and the new music project he has coming out. Thank you all for listening. Till next time. <laughs>